Pac-12 got one week closer to the championship game, but the North was thrown into utter chaos for the second year in a row. Washington doesn't show up against, frankly, a pretty mediocre to poor Stanford team. Oregon, shocking upset losers uh, to Cal, the Cal team that had just lost to that also bad Stanford team. We're going to talk about all that and more on this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Ineligible receiver. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. And, you know, uh, we talk about this and we can't talk about it enough. Ever closer to actually making legal wagers on these games based on the picks. I mean, let's truly see how much we can lose. I'm in. Yeah, I'm so excited about that. All right, so... Let us get into last week's Pac-12 action. That's the first order of business always on the show. Uh, can we start off? Hell, I don't know which one of these games came first. Was it Oregon State and Utah? That was like last probably, right? I believe the Sunday Washington State-USC game was last. But oh, yeah. Probably Colorado, Arizona, Oregon State, Utah, one of those. Let's talk Colorado and Arizona. Let's do that. Okay. So here's the deal. The Buffs are undefeated. They are into uh, they're into some rankings. Are they in the CFP rankings now? I don't know. Let's see. Let's look it up, baby. Because uh, they're in. I, I think that's the only ones that matter anymore. But no, they appear to be in the AP poll, but not in the CFP rankings, which is. Those are, I don't even know if they're even released right now. But anyway, they have a 21 next to their name is what I'm talking about. And they're undefeated. So the Carl Durrell train marches on. For, for me, uh, unimpressive 24-13 to 13 win against Arizona. Arizona came out and had the lead in the first quarter. Uh, but the Buffs shut them out in the second half uh, to win by their margin there. So uh, here's what I have to say about Colorado. Because I, I don't really know I don't really know what to say about the game. This was like a pretty boring game to me. But I was seeing after the game like Joel Klatt and Stuart Mandel talking about I can't believe the Pac-12 is gonna uh, let USC play the North winner in the title game when both Colorado and USC are undefeated. And the only reason Colorado didn't play USC is because USC got COVID. Okay. Yeah. Here's here's what I say to that. One, uh, there are still games left to be played here. Let's cross that bridge when we come to it, okay? Uh, and two, uh, that's that's just how divisions work. Yeah, your gripe was with the initial setup of the conference. If you once they split it from you know just ten teams, rank them how they finish to two teams, two divisions, North and South winner meets in the championship. I don't know what you're complaining about. Didn't Joel Clack go to Colorado? I don't know, but I saw Stuart Mandel, who I don't believe went to Colorado, jump on on board with this thing, and this it's just like, I, and it's like Colorado's playing Utah this week. Like Colorado's won all their games, but it's not like they're knocking the doors off everybody, right? So I looked. I mean, he, he did go to Colorado. So I don't know if that that's neither here nor there. I just I thought it's interesting. Um, they're not like. He should understand that, like, a best-case scenario for his buffs is exactly what he's complaining against. 
A hundred percent. A hundred percent. They win. They win their next game. They're undefeated. They get a cool bowl game. They might win that. You know, tack a national championship up there. Like, call it good. Like, I mean, what? <laughs> what are you trying to do? Like, the only thing that's going to happen if you go play USC is you're going to lose. If you're Colorado. Yeah. You're exactly. Lose. And you and then and then everyone's going to be like, yeah, Colorado probably caught some breaks getting to four zero. Turns out they're not that great. Like, you know, Colorado has one player, Jarek Broussard. Carried the ball 25 times for 300 yards against Arizona. Carried the ball 30-plus times the week before. We talked about it. It's his nice NFL stat line. Like, he, they've got a workhorse back. Uh, you know, it's a cool story that the uh, their quarterback is a former safety. But the top-performing uh, quarterback in their game last week was Will Plummer of Arizona, who went 19 for 32 with 154 yards and interception. So, like, Colorado – like if you're, if you're Joel Clatt, man, just take the, just go on the ride. Just enjoy the ride. I don't know what he's, what yeah. he's talking about. Yeah. Enjoy the ride. Also. Yeah. And then, yeah. And you're exactly right. The position they're in is the absolute prime position. There's no greater and stronger position to be in the United States of America in 2020 than aggrieved. Right. Uh, yeah. From the, it's, it powered uh, the rise of Trump. Uh, it powered the uh, default win of Joe Biden because other people felt aggrieved. Uh, mm -hmm. Like it's like you, you were, you have all the capital you could ever have in this nation. Like just talk about how you were wronged and use it to motivate you going forward. And I do want to say apologies to Jarek Broussard for burying the lead. Holy shit. 300 yards in a game. <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty good game. Yeah. Um, you know, Arizona was not any good. We talked about it, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I, Colorado is, is having a dream first season under Durrell. I, I, if you even ask Durrell in a private moment, I bet you he would say, like, let's get undefeated and get the hell out on the recruiting trip, and then we'll see you next year. Like, you know, like, let's yeah, exactly, dude. They're like, get the hell out of into like a, like a New Year's Six Bowl because they're like an undefeated Power Five team. You know, yeah. they'll be like the last team picked to go, and it'll be like, oh, do we take a, a two loss Florida or whatever, you know, I don't know how many losses Florida has, but like, uh, you know, or like this undefeated Colorado team and then say you're wrong to there and then go play some bull against a team you can actually compete with and win it. And then you have an undefeated season. Oh. Say you're the national champions. Exactly. Who's going to dispute that? Everybody, but who cares? They're that they just give somebody else a reason to be aggrieved. What, exactly. Whatever. That's what I'm talking it's about. The, way, the only it's way to lose way. that argument is to concede it. Like, so just, so just hold, hold to your guns. Washington has 40 yeah. national championships in football. Yeah. Deal with All right. it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so next up, let's do, uh, this isn't in any particular order, but can we do uh, Utah and Oregon State? Yeah, we can. All right. So, uh, Beavs coming off a, uh, you know, the big win against Oregon in the Civil War. And they came out against Utah, a Utah team that had just choked it away to Washington the week before. And Utah got up big. Utah got up three scores in the fourth quarter. And then the Beavs actually got this game back. They scored 14 points to get it within a score at the end of this thing. Cover it up. Uh, but, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I think in terms of, like, what I, – I feel like Oregon State has to say they've had a successful season because they beat Oregon. Right? Yeah, they're, even if yeah, even yeah. though they're not going to finish maybe 500, I mean yeah. they they, they acquitted themselves as a legitimate Pac-12 team. 
Yeah, they're starting quarterback done for the year. He had surgery. Chance Nolan, their backup, you know, had an okay game for a backup. They're, you know, I guess Jonathan Smith was chippy after the game, was the report. So he was very chippy. Um, so I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I think the win against Oregon is all that matters for Oregon State, man. That's, that's a rivalry that's very imbalanced. And, uh, and so this game, I'm sure, will bother uh, Smith and company, but their season is effectively set. And with a backup quarterback, you know, and a backup running back, frankly, uh, Jamar Jefferson didn't play because of uh, the COVID. So, yeah. you know, I don't know how – what can you expect when you're playing a backup quarterback, backup running back. All, all things considered, I think Oregon State had a delightful showing in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, the, the cool thing about them uh, going forward is that they didn't fold when Utah – I mean, this game was put away in that Oregon State still lacking the – I mean, Jamar Jefferson is their offense, and he's yes. not there. And they still find a way to get it close when uh, so many other teams this season, as you've pointed out, have just been folded. So uh, I give it up to them. Sure. I give it up to the Bees. And also uh, good, for color, or good for Utah, rather, to get a dub. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> we take those. Take them when you can get them. Um, UCLA. Let's see, yeah, UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State. State. Uh, Fighting Herms returned from their one game that they played. And then they yeah. have to shut it all down, and then they get a second game against a UCLA team that, frankly, is on the come right now. I'd say, you know, like they—it's not super impressive, I would say, you know. But uh, they're three and two. They're getting it done, you know. Like they're, I, you know, I I think Chip has got to look at this year as a as a success. I mean, they—I don't think anybody expected much of them going into the season, and they they've acquitted themselves all right. Well, and especially they started off losing to Colorado, you know what I mean? Uh, and they've, uh, you know, still been running it out there, and they've gotten themselves to a winning record, which is impressive. Uh, late drive, you know, I mean, two lead changes in the fourth quarter in this game, uh, which, uh, you know, I mean, UCLA had to get it done there under two minutes ago to take the lead by a touchdown. Um, but, yeah, I'm – I, I'm like you. I'm impressed with what UCLA has done this year. Uh, you have every reason to not give a shit, and uh, they seem to be improving and playing hard. And DTR was back for him finally. He'd missed a couple games, I want to say. Yeah, like you said, every reason not to care at a, at an institution that's famous for recruiting players that don't care. Um, yeah, and they're doing they're doing all right. I mean, not going to win any. Uh, you know, it doesn't look to me like they're going to be contending for the title anytime soon. But they, I think they're they're getting better. Yeah. All right, uh, then we have USC and Washington State. Even though that was a Sunday game, I want to talk about that before Oregon and Washington. Uh, USC, 38-13 to 13 winners. Uh, USC showed up to this game and absolutely knocked the doors off Washington State. And uh, I want to say, I mean, 28-0 to zero in the fourth quarter. Nick Rolovich, you're officially a Coug. Welcome. Yeah, man. That would, I mean, USC could have put up 85 points in this game if they wanted to. Um, yep. There was no stopping. Uh, <laughs> there was no stopping SC's offense. Uh, not running. They couldn't run the ball. Um, and Shocking. in fact, and in fact, didn't uh, did not run the ball. Um, I'll adjust. I'll adjust for Keaton Slovis here because I'll assume that that his negative yardage is uh, sack sack yardage, and so. And then his four, so four, he had four rushes for 20 yards, negative 20 yards. So that would leave the rest of the team 
at 16 rushes for 25 yards. It's not super good um, against a undersized, uh, undersized defense. But you know, yeah, what and it's not like they were pitching the ball over the yard. But then also, they basically this was not a contest after 15 minutes. Yeah, I think when you have a receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown, who goes for mm. four, four touchdowns in a single quarter, that's good, right? Yeah, brother of Equinemius. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Um, and, yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen a, a guy get four touchdowns in a quarter. Um, that, that's what happened, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah. I think, like, uh, you know, I've uh, – this is something, if you coach at WSU, this, the specter of this lurks every week, right? This can happen anytime, and sometimes the snowball gets going and it starts happening and it just keeps happening. You're not, I feel like you're not uh, uh, truly a coog until you've looked into this abyss. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. Yeah, interesting on the coog size. Jaden Delora was bunched in the second half of this game in favor of Gunnar Cruz. Uh oh. I had a Peloton. He was running and gunning. I had a Peloton commercial start there on my highlights page. Um, he Gunner Cruz came in, and then Cam and Cooper came in after Gunner Cruz. So Rolovich was getting a look at uh, getting a look. Cam and Cam and Cooper. What a name. Um, Cam Yeah, I'm not sure where that comes from, but in any event, uh, the Cameron Cannon. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird name. I've never seen that on the first name before. That's for sure. Um, what a quarterback rude. Jaden, Gunner, and Kamen. Yes. <laughs> Opposing Keydon and Matt. That's not a fun Yeah. One. Get um, out of here, Matt. Matt. <laughs> Matt Fink. Let's yeah. get that last name. It's just, yeah, I don't like it. The last uh, name almost saves it. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> think he ever got called Rat Fink when he was a kid? You think anybody, oh, think yeah. anybody ever caught on to that until, until he got That's much... why that young man's a power five quarterback, yeah, but they... also why he's a backup. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if that says anything about uh, Jaden Delore's uh, grasp on the starting uh, quarterback position. Probably not because he's a true freshman. Probably just wanted to get, you know, I don't imagine Rolovich just wanted to get a look at his other guys. But uh, something to note there that, that he did go – with three separate quarterbacks in this game, which was, as you pointed out, not not a competitive contest. Yeah. So, is that, what's the deal with Borgie? I think he's just injured, man, and and I I he's, that guy's got to be hitting the portal soon. I want to say. I want to say he's going to be hitting the draft. Like, isn't he a junior? Yeah. Like this is his junior year, um, and he's. I mean, there's plenty of tape on him. I would think, right? Like two years. Yeah. I mean, maybe not as a true running back because Leach never really did that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, but that's he, not what NFL people want anymore. Yeah, no, he's got, like I'm a, he's I'm a, come in as a third down back, and then you just wait for somebody to get hurt. You get a couple carries, and then if you can play, you keep playing. Yeah, I mean, he's, basically everybody gets a shot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. wasn't Savon Ahmed back? He started a game this year. He was like out of the league for the Dolphins, dude. Yeah, um, that's unbelievable. The Dolphins are going all UW backfield. And it's, it's just, working. It's, it's, son of a bitch, it's working. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I would assume he's got some kind of an injury, and either he's he's chosen to shut it down and just is going to go get ready for the draft, or or maybe he just can't play. I don't know. It's just a, you know, they're doing that thing where they just say every week he might be back, and then he's not back. Um, 
So I don't know. Um, but I, I don't – I would be surprised, I guess, if he came back next year. Would, would you? Or I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect. Some, You know, the, the other thing is, is, like, sometimes people get to Pullman and they just – it really agrees with them. Yeah, I, and I and I I'm also very bad at judging like future NFL talent. Like, so he may not he, he may be missing like one thing that that NFL scouts would be like, no, 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 you can't draft him. You know, he can't he can't block on second and long. You know, he just can't do it. And so I, there's there's always that possibility too. But I mean, he appears to me to be like sort of the great like the Christian McCaffrey understudy um, that you know would come out this year and, and see what happens in the, in the, in the league. But you know, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I like that. All right. Next up, let's go. Oregon ducks, uh, played Cal, uh, in a game where the ducks were, uh, pushing double digit favorites. They were right around there, nine or 10. Uh, and it turns out the wrong team was favored because Cal comes out, holds Oregon, uh, under 20 points and finds their way to 21. That's a recipe for Cal's first victory of the season. Surprising, surprising result. Extremely surprising result. Oregon did not score in the second half of this game. Cal only scored yeah. seven points, but um, scoreless fourth quarter, and then Cal got a touchdown in the third quarter. But uh, So Oregon's now on a two-game skid. Uh, Tyler Shuck went 14 for 26 for 231 yards. That's all right. Uh, Travis died, 12 carries. 71 yards, that's all right. And then Travis Dye was the leading receiver with two receptions for 85 yards. There's not a lot going on in this box score, frankly. Um, this is like, they're not, it's, 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 we're in a different world, dude. The, the, the fast paced Oregon offense. I don't, I don't know if that's how Cristobal wants to play. And that's something uh, I've been hopeful for because I want to see them do poorly. Uh, I would like, you know, I love it that they're getting away from the stuff that's brought them so much success. Uh, but I've, I've seen quotes from him saying that like, you know, and the vibe I get is that he wants to be like a good Michigan team, you know, that like is pro, pro style. Yeah. Pro style, big sons of guns in the trenches, uh, you know, shove it up, uh, you know, the other team's ass and, uh, out physical them and yeah, be a pro style offense. And it's like that, I, you know, that requires special players to be really effective. Uh, and it's remarkable to me that you'd have an offense that uh, 80% of the teams you played had no prayer of stopping and then somehow decide to get away from it. Yeah, I mean, if you're Oregon's AD, you almost have to like write that into the contract, right? Like, if you average less than X plays per game, or if you, like, the average snap time is like there's more than or there's less than 20 seconds on the play clock then there's like some kind of monetary penalty or something you know to like keep keep that you know momentum going because yeah i mean if crystal ball slows it down then they're just like every other team that wants to go big and pro style and like that only works for pretty much like alabama Um, yeah exactly and it's like they i I think they got them they i think they outfox themselves maybe and let uh you know perfect be the enemy of the very 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 good which is what they were uh i mean they were you know rose bowls and uh national title cont- i mean they made two national title games with this offense and and 
this is a, a depressing showing from a Cal team that's, you know, what? They're 0-3 coming into this game. Nothing to play for. Just yeah, lost really, a heartbreaker to Stanford. I mean, really it's just, it, yeah. yeah, it's just shocking. Damn shame. I mean, this is a this is a, a very normal team that was uh, for some reason people were talking about in terms of college football playoff. I just I just maybe because of the lack of other obvious choices in the Pac-12. Well, Oregon gets some really good marketing from from somebody. I don't know. This is true. They sure get some good marketing, so it's that could have something to do with it. Yeah, but this is just like, yeah, something like that. Playing this caliber of opponent, you know, as recently as a few years ago for them. Well, I don't know if that was the year where they finally went sour under Helfrich, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. let's say five years ago, we just they never in a million years would have lost this game. Agreed. So I guess that's good, right? That's good for me. Yeah, it's good for me too. Uh, and congrats, Cal. And finally, that brings us to the University of Washington. They hosted. Stanford, a Stanford team that uh, I want to say had lost to Oregon State, that uh, barely beat Cal, who's not very good. And Stanford came out here in the first half. Washington couldn't touch them on either side of the ball. Not even close. Um, Very, very, very frustrating game to watch if you're a Husky fan, which I am. Uh, Just basically watching them on both sides of the line completely dominate yeah and nothing you can do to stop their run or well maybe there was but you wouldn't know it because i mean like on twitter you've got like pretty savvy football minds like brock heward and everything who are just like screaming like why do you have two safeties high like they need help like they need to be down helping in the run game because you're just getting gashed for eight yards of carry uh but we just didn't make any adjustments there and just kind of, you know, Washington just got out physical on defense badly and on offense could not gain any push and just did a lot of running into the line and uh, went into halftime down 24 to three and, you know, did the thing where they come back in the second half and look like a much better team. But, you know, I, I, I went can't way do out, that every week. I went way out of my way last week to like talk about all of the various different things that went right in order for UW to beat Utah. You know, like up to and including when the fumble happened, it didn't go out of bounds, and then ZTF picked it up and he was able to run it, and they're flipping the field, and like all those little tiny things that just like add up and uh, didn't happen in this game. And like that's a good example. Like they won the second half, twenty-three to seven, still lose the game. So yeah, and I I. Uh, what's so frustrating about it is that there were things you could have obviously done to combat this, but we were committed to not doing it. And this, and what it got me to thinking about, uh, you, you brought up the, what Brock Heard was saying about the two safeties high when we're just getting gashed for, you know, six to 12 yards of carry. Uh, it got me to thinking about, remember after all the apple cups, Jimmy Lake would say, I hope Mike Leach never leaves. He just runs the same offense every year, and we know how to stop it, you know, basically, right? Yeah. I mean, he was crowing. It was more animated than that. But uh, this is like a weird uh, <laughs> a weird correlation. Uh, you know who Garrison Keeler is, uh, Prairie Home Companion? Nope. Uh, you, you've never heard of that NPR show? I have not. Okay. Uh, you're a better man than me. Uh, but anyway, he, uh, this is like a much-beloved, like really folksy – 
radio show, right? That has like little sketches. There's like one with a detective and like they, people sing songs. It's like kind of like a, like a, like a country review or something, you know, that like comes through and then it has like spoken word plays and stuff like that. And people listen to this. And I remember when I was a kid, when we were in the car on Sundays, you'd listen and you'd like drive into like a long soccer game or, you know, that's, that was like somewhere across the state. You'd listen to a little car talk. You listen to listen to a little Prairie Home Companion, right? Okay. Good, solid, solid public radio. Good, good stuff. Um, he wrote this op-ed about Donald Trump that was uh, uh, talking about how, like, it. The thrust of it was basically, it doesn't matter like what success you have in business. Uh, it doesn't matter if you win the presidency, like the these people in New York are never going to respect you just because you're not one of them. Right. Okay. And like what, and, uh, uh, and what people made the observation is like, he's really writing about himself. Right. Because this guy is like a, like an author, uh, who like, you know, as I mean, like you can't be more off the mainstream than being like a, a venerated public radio figure. Right. Yeah. You know, who like basically like when like when I was in Spokane, they did like a live show there. Which sold the fuck out, by the way, because like people love that show, but uh, but like it's not you know in Manhattan or whatever, okay. right? And so people were saying, you're not t- you know you're writing about Donald Trump, but you're really kind of talking about yourself. And so when Jimmy Lake here, let me bring this all the way back. When yeah. Jimmy Lake's talking about Mike Leach is never going to change, I want to play him every week. I gotta feel like David Shaw feels the exact same way about the Jimmy Lake Pete Kwiatkowski defense because two years in a row, very mediocre Stanford teams have outmuscled Washington. Because Washington is committed to running their defense with two safeties high. And Washington feels like at this point we've had better recruiting classes. We ought to be stronger than Stanford. And we're just not. Okay? So that the defense needs to change uh, specifically for Stanford. And you hope that two years in a row and everybody being very vocal about it this year means that next year we're going to see some more people in the box on defense when we play them. Because theoretically we have a good secondary, right? Yeah, I mean that's the thing I don't fully understand about that. I I, to, I completely agree, but like if you're Jimmy Lake and Pete Kwiatkowski and you're standing at there, and you're looking at the box and there's six guys in the box, and two of them are linebackers who, one of them is a very good linebacker, in Olafoshu, but he's undersized, right? He's, he's kind of like yeah, he's like a Ben Burkirvan style linebacker, which is to say he's always around the ball. He's a great, you know, he's a ball hawk. He makes tons of tackles. He's Got a bunch of good key deflections this year. Great power five player. No no qualms whatsoever with him as a as a starting linebacker. But that he's not he's not like a, a run stuffer. Like he's not, he's a he's a thin guy. And the other guy is Jackson Sermon, who you know. I um, mean, if the next time I see him make a play, it'll be the first. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. That's a good way to say it. Um, and so, like, if that's what you're looking at, um, that's pretty ballsy, you know, to be like, well, one of our linebackers will be there, but he's not going to make the play. And the other one, yeah, probably not going to be there. Um, you know, like, I, that's that's the thing that breaks down in my mind is like, you know, for all those years with Pete Kwiatkowski, like, they had really good linebackers, you know, and, and you know, with the Savelle Smalls coming up and, and you know, they've you know, they've got some good young linebackers that are in the, in the stable, but they're just not quite there yet. 
maybe in a couple years, but like, man, I was just looking at that box, you know, for some of those running plays where it's obvious the Stanford's running and there's six guys in the box. And I'm like, man, those linebackers are small. And, uh, you know, and sure enough, there's a play. And then like seven yards later, you know, Asa Turner is making a tackle like near the first down sticks, you know, and it's like, okay, like probably could have seen that coming, you know? Like, yeah, and they've they've got a hat for every hat that we've got, and then the running back's free, so you need somebody to like shut a block and make a play. And two of our guys are way smaller than two of their guys. Yeah, it's just not going to work. Yeah, like it's and, just and, I mean, the math is like I just I get being committed to like your your theory and like your you know, and I get if you can't win this way, then you probably can't win. So what you know, who cares? Like that's I mean that's a ballsy way to go out. But um, I, I don't know, man. It's just like I was just watching that like. And I was reading the tweets from you know Brock Heward saying yeah they think they're a stand- they think they're as physical and they're not and and all that you know bring the safeties down and they won't and I'm just like yeah that's a good point you know because like that box of six dudes isn't going to stop this next running play and then it wouldn't yeah and then the the frustrating thing is in the fourth quarter when they you know they by a miracle got back into this game uh, they actually did start bringing people down in the box and had some ability to stop Stanford from running. Not enough, and the offense didn't do enough, but still. And then there's a flip side to this, which is the other side of the ball on offense. We, what, what the hell are we doing trying to run power plays against these people? Like, what, uh, we're, we're like taking, like having like heavier sets and then motioning our, our blockers into the play, which bring another defender into the box that we're trying to run through. And it's like, we're our advantage to the extent we have any against Stanford is that our, on the, on the edge, our athletes are better than theirs. And at right now. Yeah. And it's not, and it's like, it just reminded me of, uh, I mean, I mean, it was just, it's just this futile, like Keith Gilbertson esque offense, right. Where you're just, committed to these you're committed to running for its own sake it has no purpose you know yeah. like or i guess your theory is uh, well i'll tell you what I, I believe the theory was is that stanford was uh did not have a ton of defensive linemen uh to rotate in this game due to injuries and covid and whatever and i get and what i think is that the, the theory going into the game was we're going to run and we're going to keep running because by the end of this game uh we're going to, you know, just have them worn out. Okay. But where that has to change is when you're having zero success running the ball in the first half and Stanford is scoring. Uh, yeah. They scored all but one time they had the ball. Yeah. And here's, so it's the, like, thing. Yeah. here's the thing about UW as well is, uh, you know, they've gone with this running back by committee thing and it's, it's worked out. All right. I mean, I think, you know, at various points in time, all of the running backs have looked pretty good. Richard Newton is obviously in big trouble and did something wrong because he hasn't played in two games. Um, yep. But even then, like Davis looks good. Cam Davis looks good. You know, he needs to be playing more. He's, he's, he's a running back one, I would say. Um, and then McGrew's looked all right. But, but if you, you know, Stanford's defense is not any good. And Dylan Morris was slinging the rock and has been now for a couple of weeks. And Kate Otten is 6'6". Six, six? How tall is Kate yep. Otten? Okay. He's a big uh, son of a gun. He's Ty like Jones. in that 6'4", six, 6'6 six, six range. Ty Jones, 6'4". Yep. Uh, Romeo Dunze, 6'3". Um, 
made some fantastic catches over uh, over Stanford secondary players. Like, what if you can't smash smash them? Then like put out your big dudes and let them go get the ball, which they did, and that's how we got back in the game. But it's like, why did we waste three quarters just running into the line of scrimmage? Um, I, I don't know. Very frustrating. Very extremely disappointing play calling on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. That's and then the third side of the ball also dog shit. Bob Gregory's shit ass special teams. Yeah, the special teams is a problem. Yeah. So, which, uh, which goes back to our point earlier in the year, which is like most first time head coaches fail. And this is why, right? Because the, the job it's a big job to like get all these things. Like you have a lot to be responsible for. You're recruiting, offense, defense, special teams. And right now UW is shooting itself in the foot with stupid mistakes, can't get out of the gate, get down too big, and can't come back. And, you know, look, it's only one loss to a team that's had their number historically. So we'll see. You know, if it's the only loss they have this year, then I think everyone will say the year was a gigantic success. But uh, two weeks in a row where uh, at least one half of football was very, very, very painful to watch. And the thing is, I haven't even seen this fucking team play well in since Arizona game because the first halves against Utah and Stanford have been so bad that I'm like, I'm not, I'm not subjecting myself to this. Oh, I subject myself to it. Yeah, I need to. I need to come back. I want to. I want to root for the boys, but I just get like, you know, I I can only watch so many of these uh, go nowhere runs into the line, like like willfully failing play calls, like. Yeah, where it's because just, like it's just it's too in much two, to in two quarters. We're gonna do something with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, I'd love to see it. I mean, I I would just love to see, you know, I it just I feel like two drives is enough to make an assessment that there needs to be a change if the if the if what you're doing the first two times isn't working, and then yeah, I mean, I've I've credit to David Shaw, credit to Stanford. I mean, what a win for Stanford considering they've been on the road for a week. They, they did a walkthrough in the park in Bellevue for this game. Yeah. Like it, they, they couldn't have been more set up to fail in this game and they showed up and put it on us. Yeah, dude, I think, I think coaching in college is an interesting, is an interesting animal, man. I think you gotta be, I think you gotta be smart and dumb at the same time. And I think this is the problem right now is we're seeing, we're seeing an offense and a defense that are, they're, they're outsmarting themselves, right? Like they have players that can run plays, that will be successful, but they're trying to do other things because uh, I don't know why, but if you think back and you know, like, you know, the, you know, the, the best example is, is always Chip Kelly, right? Like everyone credits him with being this like genius. Like he runs two plays, man, two plays and you can't yep. stop him because you don't know which iteration of each play you're getting. Now each play has like three iterations. So like maybe we'd say it's six plays, but it's like, it's two plays pretty much. It's a run. Or the quarterback keeps it and he throws and he'll roll out. You know what I mean? It's like it's like yeah. It's he's it's not that complicated and he's just got it dialed better than anybody else when he gets it going. And I think yeah, that's what watching UW offensively. It's like they're not there, dude. They're they're trying to do all sorts of weird stuff with a redshirt freshman quarterback when it's like no, you've got giant wide receivers and a kick-ass like all-American candidate tight end. Like run plays for them, run plays for them, and you'll probably win. You know? Yeah, I agree with that. All right, so how are we doing picks last week? We all went three and three. Why did we all pick the exact same games? Same games. We all picked the same ones. It's crazy. It's, it's never terrible. happened. It's never happened before, and hopefully it'll never happen again. Yeah. All right, good. I'm already seeing some differences. I like it. All right. Yeah, I got I got committed to it. 
so we start things off on Friday, uh, and it's going to be Territorial Cup. Is that what they yeah. call the Arizona game? If they're still uh, allowed to call it that, yes. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Good God, you could cancel that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We could move. We could get that canceled. Like whose territory? Yeah. Whose territory? Yeah. It was theirs to belong before it was yours. You know. Yeah. And yeah, doesn't work. Yeah, I don't like that at all. All right. Uh, so we have. One of these teams is going to emerge from this game with their first win. Uh, Arizona State 0-2. Arizona 0-4. Arizona played USC like surprisingly close. They played Colorado plenty close. The only... I mean, they just looked awful against Washington. Arizona State, you really don't know what you're getting. I mean, they lose to uh, both the LA schools. Uh, fairly close to... They lose real close to USC in the first game. And then, like, I've, I've like, give them a pass on the previous game, on the last week's game because it's been so long since they played. But the Devils are favored by a significant amount, right? 11? 11 point favorites. I'm taking the Devils just because I think Arizona is so bad, but... Yeah, I I think so too. I I agree with that. I'll take Arizona State in this game. So right. while there might be differences, they're gonna have to wait till later. Uh, so also on Friday, it's the uh, eleven versus twelve game in the Pac-12. Colorado are one and a half point favorites against Utah. Give me Utah easy in this game. Yeah, definitely. I've well, seen enough, dude. Once you start talking about like Colorado's been wronged before, they've like done everything they have to do to get wronged. Yep. Uh, that's a recipe for losing a game. And this guy, Broussard, 30 carries against Utah is not going to be the same as 30 carries against Oregon State. Yep. It's not going to be the same. So yep. I'm with you as well. Utah is definitely the pick for that for me there. Then we go right. to the battle for LA or whatever we call that game. I don't know what it's called, to be honest with you. But it's USC and UCLA. And we got USC, a mere three-point favorites against these That's Bruins. surprising. It is, man. I'm, I'm Chip's getting some some cred there in Vegas. Okay, here's the deal. USC looked so good last week. Wrong team's favored. <laughs> I'll take UCLA. Yeah, you the classic UC classic USC under under Clay Helton, right? Like it seems too obvious, you know, to take USC in this game. It does, but I've seen some commentary like where you know, like Clay Helton's gonna like bang it up this year and go go to a Rose Bowl and get a five year extension out of this thing, which is just delicious, hilarious, <laughs> just delicious. If you're a Pac-12 fan, not a USC yeah. fan, because that's that's just what we want. <laughs> like, so that brings us to Oregon State at home against a plucky Stanford team who got in their buses from Bellevue and drove down to Corvallis on Sunday after the game and have been there ever since. So you have to feel at this point they're pretty acclimated to the Pacific Northwest, feeling good about themselves last week. They're three-point favorites against an OSU team that is going to be without their starting quarterback again, and I likely will be without Jamar Jefferson if he's still in the COVID protocol. Um, what say you on this one? I'm taking the Cardinal. Beavers. Beaver believer. Like yeah, it. if I get the beeves, it's home dogs, dude. Home beef, like, man. You don't want to. You don't want to deal with the, the home beeves. Yeah, and also like, I mean, it's some like, I'm gonna say that it's easier to get up for Washington. Uh, I mean, they have Foster Serrell, who's like a Washington guy, and Connor Weddington, who are Washington guys. I don't know how many Corvallis guys they have on their team. Also, like, 
what does it matter? You know what I mean? Like the beat, like Stanford uh, lost Oregon, which is a bummer for them, but they beat Cal. They had a nice win against Washington. Uh, I've, I'd say, you know, considering what they've had to deal with, with, uh, I mean, they had their quarterback miss the Oregon game because of the false positive COVID test, yeah. which ouch. Yeah. But I, I feel like they've done their job. It has to wear on you that you're practicing in parking lots and parks. We'll see, man. We'll see. They're college kids, guy. I mean, they're just, you know, when you're in college, like nothing phases you. Yeah. You're going to live forever when you're in college. Um, all right. All right. What brings us to WSU hosting the Cal Bears coming off their big win over the Ducks? Cal parlayed that into a two and a half point road favorite. It's interesting. But all right. I'll take it. Um, I, I, I'm going to take Cal in this game. I, I think WSU. Got thrown for a little bit of a loop last week at USC. I mean, they're they're not stupid. They're gonna know that USC could have hung ninety on them if they wanted to, um, and that they weren't in any way, shape, or form competitive with that team. You know, the final score at what is it, whatever is thirty-eight to fourteen or whatever, like very much flatters WSU. Um, and Cal, you know, Cal keeps coming along. I, I've been down on them all season, but a big win against Oregon. They had a, a little bit of hype going into the season. Garbers is playing all right. I don't. I just feel like this WSU team is just not not there yet in a roll, which is what I'm going to say. Taking Cal. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think they're very good, but I also don't think Cal's very good. Okay, and I think uh, W. I think Cal uh, can find 24 points in this game tops. I think WSU can find 28. All right, so taking the Cougs. Wrong team favors. Wrong team's favorite, dude. Alrighty. Give me the Cougs and Bees as home dogs. You're kidding me. There you go. That brings us to the final game of the week. The most hated rivalry game in the, in the conference. Nation. In the nation. If not the whole world. In all of sport. Yes. Well, now the Michigan-Ohio State's game. Did you know that Michigan is 1-18 against Ohio State in their last 19 games? It hurts. I always thought that our rivalry with Oregon was pretty lopsided recently, but that's it's like very much worse. Like, <laughs> They'd take it. <laughs> they would take it in a heartbeat. I it's been miserable. But I, they would take it. I Michigan I, was that's weird, you know. I remember like when when we were when I was first getting into college football, you know, in like the uh 90s and stuff like that, and you're like who's good? I think that coincided with a peak Michigan run. And so I remember, you know, like some point within the last 10 years looking at the history of that rivalry and being like, wow, outside of like the period where I started watching college football, Ohio State's pretty much had their number. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I guess Michigan's deal is like they have 11 national titles, right? But, yeah. but I think the vast majority of them are like pre-World War II. Yeah. Um, so like, not that relevant to me, you know, like. I get it. They count like it happened, you know, but like that's sort of like Spain, like talking up its arm, it's Navy. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's just like, okay. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, it, they were so cool when we were kids. Cause they had the fab five, oh, dude, had Desmond the Howard. Five. I had a, I had a, Charles I had like Woodson. A, a basketball. It was like made from sweats material, but it was like Michigan branded basketball. And it was the outfit. It was like the baggy shorts and a big baggy shirt. That I wore when I was like in fifth grade. 
Oh, oh yeah, that's so awesome. good. It was so hot. Um, I would wear it again if I had, if I could find it in the stores. I would buy it right now for myself. Um, yeah, there. I used to wear. We used to have. You remember Mark Bacon? Of course, I remember Mark Bacon. Bro, we used to wear Michigan stuff to school on Fridays. It was Michigan Day. It was Michigan Fridays. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, we had like our little, you know, those like there was like a style of like college sweatshirt that was like popular. Played a lot of golf with Mr. Bacon over the years. Um, yeah, and then with Ben Brewer, there's another callback. He and I grew up on the same street, and we would often pretend to be the Fab Five, like shooting hoops in the driveway. And you were just yeah. I mean, I, I, I have a lot of positive Michigan memories. It's a shame that they've fallen so far. I, I what mean, are we talking about? If, well, we're we're not talking about the Utah or the Oregon UW game, which is kind of oh yeah, that's right. Like, I'm no, I don't, I'm in no hurry to talk about that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all I'm saying is that at the time that we were seniors in high school, and our one of our good friends chose to go to Michigan, and we all kind of chose to go to UW. Like you never would have known that we were all choosing the like significantly happier football existence than he was. Yeah, you know? like with a winless <laughs> season. Like with a winless <laughs> season. Yeah, like we've got we've got multiple multiple you know uh, power you know New Year's Six Bowls. We've got a Rose Bowl. We've played in two Rose Bowls since since we've we, gone. We thumped <laughs> Oregon a couple times when we were in school. Then there oh. were some intervening years. We thumped them another couple times. Yeah, we've we've beaten them, and the, since that, since we went to school, we we beaten them. I mean, like, yeah. man, just just a rough, just a rough state of affairs. If you went to you know Michigan in the late '90s when we were all packing up and going to UW, and you never would have seen it coming. You know, you just yeah, Lloyd Carr was like forever, right? Like he just it was just one of those guys that just like just had it, you know, had the whole world on a string and could just you never would have figured that that would have there would have been such a precipitous decline but it is what it is and i'm not sure why we talked that much about it. oh yeah because they're one in 18 against against ohio state which is which is kind of like uw and oregon you know calling this a big rivalry game if you're a uw fan like you gotta gotta start winning some of these games again we're we've lost two in a row after having won two in a row and then having lost 12 in a row before that so, so it's you know we're two for our last 14 or something two and 14 in the last 16 so it's not great um got to win a few more of these you know if you win this year you can say we've won three out of the last five which i think is totally respectable you know yeah there's more rivalry so uh per the rules of the pod we'll all be taking you dub oregon is six point favorites uh what do you think about this game uh if i was betting it for real i'd take oregon uh just for the simple reason that uh i think these teams are equal to one another uh that like in turn with neither of them being particularly great uh, and I think uh, I talk a lot about what people believe is going to happen. I think Oregon uh, will show up to this thing loaded for bear. And I think uh, Washington, uh, I, I've like the only two times they beat Oregon in the last 20 years, basically, uh, you know, well, I, I mean, I guess, you know, prior, I sense like Oh two or something like that. Uh there was no way in a million years those teams were ever going to lose to Oregon. Like they, they knew they were better and they were eager to embarrass Oregon. And I don't, I don't know that we have that set up this year. Uh, that said, you know, Oregon is really pedestrian uh, as is Washington. So, I mean, it's the, the type of game where it, the breaks could go our way. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think Oregon is as equipped as Stanford was uh, to kind of, 
exploit us in that manner in terms of like out physical us. Uh, so, I mean, it, I think it should be a close game, but I think Oregon's belief is going to carry the day. I think that's, that's probably that I'm picking Washington. Yeah. yeah so it's the rules of the pod where I'll take Washington, but I, I, I agree with you. I just, I, the last two first halves have been so devastating that, you know, Oregon's coaching staff is going to come into this game with a ton of confidence and is going to be like, Oh, here's what we do to beat these guys. And I'm not convinced that our coaching staff is going to come into this thing with a coherent plan. Um, because we haven't in two consecutive games showed up to play with a coherent plan. And then you look at special teams, UW special teams are awful. Um, uh, Oregon's appear to be, you know, average, but that's better than awful. Um, and so you just, it's a, uh, I won't be surprised necessarily if UW wins, I'll be very happy. Um, I'll be like, okay. Cause as you said, Oregon's not that great. UW's not that great. Um, and, you know, maybe UW's defense, you know, bows up its back and takes away the run and the secondary is plenty good. And that would be that. Uh, but I would be also, if I if I had to put money on it, I would not uh, bet that as the outcome. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, but God, I hope they win. I hope Washington wins so bad. Yeah, we need this win, dude. We need to be able to say we won three out of five. It would be huge. It would be huge because Cristobal, a little three-game losing streak, get the doubters going, maybe negatively impact their recruiting. That would be nice. Apparently, he's like one of the top two candidates for the Texas job, which is currently held by somebody, by the way. Texas has a coach, but they've already being reported. I mean, I guess it's kind of a misnomer to say it's being reported. It's being put out on Twitter, but by like real people who cover the sport, um, that it's like Cristobal and – I forget who the other guy is. I like the top two choices, maybe F, F, Fickle or something. But uh, yeah, it's just like maybe that. I mean, you know, maybe that will provide a little, uh, a little bit of a distraction if there's any uh, smoke to that. You know, that'd be hilarious. I would love, yeah, to have them on a three-game losing streak and then have their coach get hired away by Texas, who's yeah going to pay twenty-five million dollar buyout apparently to get rid of Tom Herman. Yeah. Like so they can get a coach who's doing the exact same thing against, you know, equal competition, if not lesser. Got to do it, man. You got to do it. You got to. No other you got to. <laughs> Can't stay neutral. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. All right. That is for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.